When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up. Get your sorry ass up. Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. I ain't never seen, I ain't never seen you before, huh? Man, go tell the coach you need some help. We gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. We welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. For today's episode, we've got Mr. Matthew Fox. You can find him at Nighthawk7734, joining me as he always does on Mondays. And we're bringing back Dennis, Mr. Dennis Bennett, who's joined me all throughout the offseason last year, is finally back, joining us throughout the week as we talk on our offseason podcast. And you can find him at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. We will be breaking down some of the, uh, not some of all of the wildcard games, and then the breaking news that happened earlier today. So let's jump them on here. And let's get this podcast started. And as I mentioned in the intro, we've got a a little bit of a special episode here today. We've had Matt on with me every single Monday throughout the season and in the off seasons. Dennis is back with us, not just on Fridays, but on Monday. So Dennis is here as well. What's going on? Hello, hello. How was your weekends? How did you enjoy what I thought was for? Epic wild card games. I I thought that was a fantastic weekend of football watching. Yes, uh, it w- they were good games, but um, there's a cold wind that's been blowing in Colorado the last two days, and I, I think it was the cold wind of Drew Brees going home and Kirk Cousins suddenly being clutch, much to my dismay. 
He's always been clutch. This is this is why we had this argument. Don't 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 buy into those Monday night football stats. I'm I'm excited to get into that game. Although it did screw me as well as as we were both very high in <laughs> onto the Saints. But you know what? I was happy to see my boy Kirky come through. Uh, before we jump into that, I want to talk about. There's obviously some breaking news. Uh, I feel like we've been talking about it on the on the podcast here for weeks on what the Cowboys are doing with Jason Garrett. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Garrett is officially out. He's, uh, they haven't said if he's fired or if he's just going to let his, they're going to let his contract run till the 14th. Regardless, he is no longer going to be with the Cowboys organization. That is the news that came out. And within, I would, it wasn't even 24 hours, they hired Mike McCarthy, which I thought was a little bit surprising. Uh, definitely a good hire on their part for the most part. Uh, I would say the most qualified, uh, available candidate. It is funny that they were, uh, interviewing Jeff Fisher as well. Apparently they interviewed him the other day. Uh, which drove Cowboys fans here crazy is I I was kind of poking him a little bit with the whole well he fits right in with your guys eight and eight record every year so I really hoped they were going to go the Jeff Fisher route uh, but they do well, don't forget Mike Marvin Lewis oh I would have loved to see Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson in Dallas it's just another way to screw that up but but they do bring in Mike McCarthy which I thought was an interesting hire as I posted on Twitter I was kind of glad the Cowboys got him because I did not want the Browns to hire him I'm hoping they go a different route uh so what are your guys thoughts on the McCarthy hire good bad your thoughts on on just him coming in with a very talented team a little bit of cap room and a lot of free agents that they've got to resign you want to take it on Mr. Fox yeah, I guess I'll say it was an interesting hire. I've seen uh, a lot of like spiteful reactions that if you can't get Jason Garrett, at least you can get his uh, clone, Mike McCarthy. I think that's a little harsh. McCarthy had much more success, including playoff success with Green Bay, than we ever really saw with Dallas in the Jason Garrett era. You know, a lot of the questions have been uh, with him, how good of a coach is he? Did Aaron Rodgers make him, or um, was he the right coach to help that team achieve some of it? So I think we'll get some answers to that here, because I think almost all of us have felt that Dallas's roster was more talented than the enigmatic record they put up, uh, especially with how down the rest of their division opponents were. I mean, Philadelphia props to them for the way they ended the season, but they were ravaged by injuries. And we're talking about a team that lost an early December game to the Miami dolphins. uh, And yet looked like world beaters when they played Dallas in week 16. So, you know, Dallas needed a change. I thought more than anything, that was the reason that they needed to move on from Garrett was that they needed some kind of a change, some kind of new life to be breathed into that group that obviously they weren't responding to their coaches anymore. So I'd be curious to see what it does. There was already talk that he's going to keep Kellen Moore possibly uh, for continuity on offense, which is curious, especially if you're an Ezekiel Elliott owner, because I thought that they didn't really know how to use him this year, ironically, after making him the highest paid running back. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting, you know, I would think Mike McCarthy will be good for the pass offense. I don't know what that means for Elliott and that, I don't know what that means for, obviously, Dak and Amari Cooper are two huge potential free agents. You know, I would think Mike McCarthy is going to have a lot of input on where they want to go. It's hard to imagine them moving on from Dak, but Amari Cooper, you know, might be gone. 
Yeah, I, you know, I kind of look at Mike McCarthy as being in the same situation that Andy Reid was before he went to the Chiefs. M- McCarthy was successful. Yeah, as a for fans, he could be very frustrating. Uh, and there will definitely be that, was it Aaron Rodgers or was it Mike McCarthy, uh, debate going on until so, in, until Dallas does something. So that that's kind of just a natural, I think. But I think he just kind of, you know, it got stale in Green Bay. He was there, what, nine years? Something like that? Yeah, at least nine years, and, yes. And, you know, I, I think if you were to tell Dallas, hey, can you make, would you be satisfied making the playoffs, you know, six of the next nine years and winning a Super Bowl? I think overall they'd probably say yes. I think a lot of teams would. So if you know everybody wants the next Belichick and Brady, but you know if we're being real, you know one, two Super Bowl appearances if you're lucky, is yeah. more the norm than you know nine in twenty years. Uh, he was with so Green Bay I, for a thirteen years, by the way. Thir- so even then, would you go? You know, and, and how many years were they in the playoffs? Most of them. Oh yeah, and I, I think mean, they went to the Super Bowl in, twice, in right? They did, and and they won one. So, you know, I I think as a Lions fan and a Browns fan, I think I'd take thirteen years of that. Yeah. Trying to see how many uh, winning seasons he had there. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you you are in the dynasty uh, group chat, obviously, that I am as well. A uh, bunch of Browns fans in there. My biggest thing with McCarthy, uh, real quick on the Browns thing before I get back to that, uh, I just don't, I don't know. And it's not necessarily all about McCarthy. I do think he's a very play it safe coach. I don't think that he he is that aggressive. What worries me about McCarthy is how it ended in in Green Bay. I get what you're saying on it has to go stale, and you are probably right on them. I mean, you're there for 13 years. Anything that's been going on for 13 years hits its rough patches and gets stale. Need to shake things up from here and there. It's just how bad it ended worries me. I mean, just the complete, like, all of the rumors with him and Aaron Rodgers is just not good. And so for me, the way I look at it, I think Baker has very much the same attitude to that Aaron Rodgers has. Now, I'm not saying that Baker would go in there and change plays at the offensive line like it's rumored Aaron Rodgers did. Uh, I just don't know if those two mesh well together. I don't like him coming in with the front office that the Browns have because you got Paul D. Podesta who wants to do analytics. Then you have Elliot Wolf, who he does have a connection with from his Green Bay Times, who is very much that football guy like John Dorsey. And I don't want them to kind of smack heads. We, we already have too many issues. So that, that was kind of my thoughts on him not going to, to Cleveland. For Dallas, I don't think it's a bad move. I mean, he he's definitely going to come in. Uh, I believe they've already said, I think Mike Nolan is coming in to run the defense, which is not a bad hire in my opinion. He, he's been a very good defensive head coach. Uh, the only reason I think they're keeping Kellen Moore, Matt, uh, was there was a lot of talk down here on Dallas radio that Jerry Jones was making it a point that whoever got hired on had to keep Kellen Moore to be the offensive coordinator. It wasn't necessarily, a th- from what I've heard, again, I'm not in the building, I don't know just what they've said down here and 
sources close to the team have said that it's something that Mike McCarthy didn't really have a choice in. It was going to be Kellen Moore is going to be here regardless of the coach they hired, which is another reason why I didn't think uh, Marvin Lewis was going to get the job because I don't know if any of y'all saw that. Marvin Lewis was saying that if he gets a, a head coaching job, Hugh Jackson will be his offensive coordinator, and that came out kind of oh right God. around the same time. Yeah, that came out right around the He's same time. He's not going to get a head coaching job if that's his uh, sticking point. I don't disagree with you. It was actually funny someone brought that up today at work. They were like, oh, what do you think about Marvin Lewis going to Cleveland? I was like, they wouldn't let Hugh back in the building, so Marvin Lewis is not yeah. coming back to Cleveland. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad move. I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, so far, we've had two of the three vacancies now in the in the NFC East field. I think Ron Rivera going to Washington is going to be a bigger impact than, than McCarthy going to Dallas. That That's just my opinion. I think yeah. I think Rivera is a better well, coach. Well, I, I – but – so – Let's measure the impact, though. Dallas has a really good team. Yes. They just underperformed this year. They've got a, If you compare the talent in Dallas to the pa- talent in Washington, if McCarthy makes the same type of impact that Rivera can make, starting where Rivera has to start, uh, Dallas should go nineteen and zero next year. I mean, he'd have they'd have to to make that same type of impact. It, it, it's just, I mean, but. You know, McCarthy won 10 games eight times yeah. uh, in Green Bay and won 15 games in 2011. Three losing seasons in 13 years. So uh, he's got a ton of weapons, but not a ton of cap space to work with. So they're definitely going to have to hope that uh, Jerry, the GM, gets his shit together a little bit. Yeah. Well, I would also say there's there's two things that I've heard that – Washington, their comment that they're not going to go and get a general manager until oh, after yeah. the draft. I had to express the concern when we talked about Ron Rivera. Is it going to be the football people making decisions or is Daniel Snyder going to exert his will in these draft decisions, which was clearly the case with Dwayne Haskins? And them not having a general manager makes it seem even more likely that Daniel Snyder is going to be putting undue influence on personnel moves, which always is a little bit of a red flag for me with their history there. And I get what you're saying about McCarthy and the Browns, but I have to be honest with you. You better hope they don't get Josh McDaniels because if that I don't was your concern about Baker McDaniels, Baker Mayfield with uh, Mike McCarthy, I'll pray for you because having <laughs> lived through the Josh McDaniels experience, he will I mean, he may dump all of your players overseas for pennies on the dollar. I I don't. Well, so here's the one thing I will say about McDaniels, because I do know I I don't. This is not going to bring you any solace. I know this, but uh, he he did do an interview. uh, I can't remember who it was. It was it was a Cleveland writer was talking about it, uh, that McDaniels actually doesn't want control over player personnel. He said that he realized after what he did in Denver, he doesn't, he doesn't understand, not that he doesn't understand, he should not be in control of that stuff. He just wants to be a head coach. He doesn't want any kind of say in the player personnel. That's what the GM is for. So I'm not as worried if McDaniels comes over about the player personnel side because he's already come out and said he doesn't want any part of that. Whether or not he's going to be a good head coach, well, I I mean, I don't believe him in the slightest. You, he could be lying. You know, that's again one of the arguments not I've also be. made about it. <laughs> it's one no, of the arguments. No, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Not could be. We'll, You're going we'll to end up with Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady and whatever the 2020 equivalent of Jabbar Gaffney is. 
Rashard Higgins. He's already on the roster, so I have to worry. No, no, it has to come uh, out of the Patriots system. (laughs) What's the 2020 equivalent of the Patriots? They'll bring they'll bring Matt Slater back over. New wide receiver one. They'll bring Matt Slater. He's he's a you know great special teamer. He's out of contract too, I believe, with the Patriots this year. I I mean, I don't. It'll be interesting. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be McDaniel's. I I think we had already talked about the other day. If I had my pick, it's Stefanski. That's who I want. I mean, that's who I've kind of really gotten high on over the past couple weeks. He he's the guy that I would love to see get a shot. Don't do OCs. Don't do OCs. I see. I I know a lot of people are going to do that, but you can't. You can't say him and Freddie are not the same person. Kevin Stefanski has been an offensive coordinator for three years now. He has more coaching experience than Freddie Kitchens has. Freddie Kitchens was not even an offensive coordinator for half a season. He was a running backs coach first. So I, I don't – you can't compare the two. Completely different people. I, I would say from everything I have read and everything I've seen, I don't know if uh, – I, I would imagine you guys don't. You're not Vikings fans. Look on the Minnesota Vikings website, and they have a ton of things. They do almost like the, the Browns do a building the Browns thing behind the scenes stuff. They do interviews with coaches and everything all the time. Just sit and watch one of Kevin Stefanski's interviews and just listen to how smart he is when it comes to football. And you listen and read a lot of people. He's very well connected to the Kyle Shanahan tree. He does all the quarterback camps with Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, all those guys. And they all talk about how he is one of the brightest minds in college football. Or not college football, I'm sorry. Except for I would caution you that if the Minnesota Vikings believed in him as much as you think they do they would not have brought Gary Kubiak in to set the scheme and for him to report to they brought him in because Gary Kubiak is whose tree he's going off of right now this offense and design looks exactly like what I saw for many many years with the Denver Broncos and the Houston Texans so that would be a caution to me he has not done it on his own I mean he did it on his own last year they didn't bring Kubiak over till this year, and that was the thing. They North didn't Turner like started as the offensive coordinator last year. So no, it was he it was up uh, into it. It was DiFilippo, DiFilippo, and they Di fired Filippo. him. That well, okay, so yeah. that was why they brought Kubiak over though. Was that Stefanski was not running the ball enough for Zimmer, and so that's why they brought Kubiak over because he is very well with these outside zone runs and all this other stuff. And yeah. He, he is the one who has changed what the Minnesota Vikings offense is, but Kevin Stefanski is still the one who play, who makes okay, the play calls. But if, you, if one of your concerns about Freddie was that they didn't use Chubb enough and they didn't commit to the run enough, having a bringing in a coach who had to have a coach put in over him so he would run the ball uh, cannot be what you're actually telling me you're looking for. True. I'm not because uh, Kevin Stefanski in an interview on the Minnesota Vikings website said if he ever got a head coaching job, he is not calling plays. He doesn't want that. He will bring in an offensive play caller. He will bring in someone to run the defense. He said that he thinks being a head coach has too many responsibilities to begin with. He is not going to focus on one side of the ball. So I don't have to worry about him running the offense now. I just want someone in. My thing is he is very analytically driven. He doesn't care about people's feelings. Not trying to sit there and go, oh, I have to force Odell the ball. He's going to go with what the analytics say. And that is where football is going. I mean, it's been going there for years. And in my opinion, that's the way you have to go. I, I just think it'd be a good hire. I, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm not, like I said uh, in the Dynasty uh, Dynasty Nerds chat, if they would have hired Mike McCarthy, I wouldn't have been upset. And that they didn't, I'm like, I'm happy. I, it doesn't matter to me either way. 
Whichever way they would have went, I think there's more issues than just the head coach for the Browns right now. I, I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. if they bring in Bill Belichick. I could see them again having a losing season next year. There's too many issues with the front office and and, and the ownership uh, for me to think that that team's going to get straight. But we're, would let, Belichick going back to the Browns be the equivalent of LeBron coming back to Cleveland and winning a title? No, because I think he'd bring Brady with them, and I don't know if they'd win. I really don't. I mean, they've got better offensive don't. pieces. I, I don't so think would want would Brady. He would I, I not don't, want to bring Brady with him. Yeah, I think if he if he was to come back to Cleveland, I don't think he'd bring Brady. I don't think he'd bring anyone because he he want. I think there's a part of Bill that wouldn't be that sad if Tom Brady left. And he oh, got I don't a think he. Yeah, to, I agree with you. I don't think he wants Tom back. Well, let's let's just. Finish Dallas because then we, we definitely want I, – I definitely want to talk about that because that is a big part of the Patriots' loss here. So do we have anything else we want to add on Dallas? Obviously, like I said, you guys seem to think Mike McCarthy – I don't think it's a bad hire at, at all. I think no. it's a good hire for the franchise. Uh, biggest thing will be, and we'll be talking about it all offseason, is what they end up doing with that roster because they do have, I believe it's like top five in cap space at the moment, but they haven't paid Dak, haven't paid Cooper, got Woods, uh, Quinn on the defensive line. Uh, there's a bunch of other players that they've got. I believe they got like 17 players that are out of contract or something like that. So they, they've got some work to do before they get this roster finalized. And I would imagine they're not going to let Dak go. So it'll be interesting to see what they do all in all, though. Decent, I say good hire by the Dallas Cowboys. They got the most experienced coach available on the market. He is in there for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? There is electricity in the air as the playoffs return to town. Oh my goodness! All right, guys. Hey, that's where we are, right? Let's roll. We're okay. The 2020 NFL Wild Card Weekend. You need to be a nightmare! You need to be a nightmare! Let's go! The Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson magical! The Buffalo Bills. Brady's pass is intercepted and returned for a touchdown by Logan Ryan, the former Patriots. The New England Patriots. Julian would not target in that first half. He's got the handoff, and he can strut in for the touchdown, untouched. The Minnesota Vikings. Cousins throws, pass is caught for the win. The New Orleans Saints. First down, end zone, Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks! The Philadelphia Eagles. We'll find the end zone. Boston Scott for the touchdown. They can't stop us. They cannot stop us. This is what legends made, man. Be great. 
Breaking down the wild card games, we're just going to go in order and just kind of give you guys our thoughts and synopsis on the game. I just kind of want to talk about them. I mean, I would imagine everybody watched them. If not, we'll give, as I said, small breakdowns on them. Not a lot of fantasy stuff going on with these. Uh, we'll definitely break them more down for fantasy and preview for fantasy on Thursday's episode uh, as we, we talk about our playoff challenges and everything. Uh, first one, Bills-Texans, great game. Goes into overtime. Uh, really quick, I guess the big controversy thing, what were you, what are your guys' thoughts on the supposed give up play in the end zone that would have actually been a safety, not a touchdown, like they called it at the at first uh, in the middle of the game? Do you guys think the Bills got screwed like the Buckeyes got screwed against Clemson? You know, I uh, you know I don't know. It, it's there's so so many calls. There's judgment, and it's it's easy to take both sides or see both sides. You know the. I'm a Buckeye fan, so I think the Buckeyes got jobbed. I'm sure the Bills <laughs> Mafia did. thinks that uh, the Bills got jobbed, or you, you know, it's 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 really a, a tough way to go there when you're relying on somebody to make a judgment call in a split second, um, and then you have a, a a replay system in place that you've consciously made dysfunctional so it, it's pretty challenging from that standpoint when you 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 make these guys uh at at warp speed have to interpret these plays and then don't give them the support so i don't know i i i think you can jump on either side of the bandwagon there and and um, make your case i mean officiating has been a big issue in every NFL game this season, all 256 regular season games, there were questionable calls and questionable interpretations of the rule. We we had the special you know reviews put in place after the NFC Championship game last year, and they seem to have had no effect uh, to frustrating levels. So I think you just accept that there's going to be bad, and there there were blown calls on both sides for all the teams. Uh, I don't don't know if you can just put it down to one play. The ultimate thing is the Bills had a 16 to nothing lead and couldn't hold it. Yeah. So let's let's go Bills side first. Uh, Devin Singletary, great game. I thought he looked really good. Uh, John Brown, Cole Beasley, I think kind of underperformed a little bit. I'll be interested to see if the Bills end up attacking wide receiver in the draft. I feel like they definitely need something. But what are you guys' thoughts on Josh Allen and his performance in his first playoff game of his NFL career? He started out fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he it's, was, it's crazy because it's like, yeah. Well, he, he started out making some good plays, and then it's it seemed like that the moment got too big for him. And usually it's the other way around. You go in, and, and you shit the bed in the first quarter, and then you get it together. And, and he just seemed to, as the game went on, the pressure mounted and mounted and mounted. Well, his, his issue all season has been, you know, he shows flashes of brilliance, but at times turnovers or sloppy play uh, really lets him down. And we saw it, you know, in that the lateral driving down there. He's about to be tackled and he just blindly flips it toward, you know, a third string tight end. You're, you're like, oh my God, it, 
went out of bounds, but that could have been brutal. Some of the passing, I, I know you're saying that Brown had a little bit of a down game, and maybe that's true, but as the game went along, the targets were not exactly where they should have been. Some of them were wildly all over yeah. the place. Um, so, you know, I read a great tweet from uh, Bill Barnwell, who works for ESPN, that said basically if you watch that game, any opinion you had of Josh Allen, whether you thought he was really coming along or whether he was never going to make it, you could probably back up based on what you saw in that game. And that that's that's probably true. Overall, I would say Buffalo had a nice season and they have a decent future going ahead. I think Josh Allen has to be a little bit further ahead than, than where a lot of the doubters and naysayers said. But is he ever going to get to that really high level? It's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing was I'm kind of surprised how much they went away from Devin Singletary there in the second half as well. I mean, I thought he was carrying the ball really well, looked really good in the the running game, obviously did really good in the in the receiving game as well. Kind of surprised they went away from him, especially as you pointed out, having a 16-point lead uh, against a team that has struggled against the run most of the season. I don't know why they didn't pound the rock with him a little bit more, uh, but, you know, that's something I guess you, you learn from and, and grow from and move on from. I, I don't – not a lot of people were picking Buffalo to win this game. I know we did, uh, but it, I, 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 I thought – I'm sorry? Or I did. That's right. You didn't. You picked the Texans. I picked the Bills to win. Uh, so I, I, I I thought for the most part, they the first half they looked like by far the better team, and then they just kind of came out in the second half and fell apart, uh, which is really kind of – I think a lot of it had to do with Houston's offense as well. Houston's offense looked horrible in that first half. They reminded me very much of that game last year against Indy that they kept talking about where they just got the doors blown off them and it looked like it was going to continue down that road. Defense came out, made a couple stops. DeAndre Hopkins turned it on in the second half, ended up with six catches for 90 yards. I believe he was shut out the entire first half uh, by Tredavious White, but Deshaun Watson makes the play of the game, uh, avoids getting sacked by two players at the same time, throwing it to... uh, uh, my goodness, who is it? T.J. Jones, I Taiwan, believe. Taiwan Jones. Jones, and he yeah. takes it 34 yards to get him into field goal range. What were your guys' thoughts on Houston and their performance in this one? Uh, for me, first, it was man. all about uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, I think Hopkins was fine. Other players were fine, but Deshaun Watson, they talked about it in the game, at times appeared to be willing his team to win. I think he and I would say. J.J. Watt on the defensive side really brought an emotional intensity that brought that team back. Yeah, Watson's ability to uh, rush the ball positively when he was pressured, I, I think, made a big difference. Uh, his And it wasn't just to uh, escape and, and make throws. He only threw 25 passes, but he, he was credited with 14 carries and – I'd say probably eight of them were him getting out of the pocket and taking off uh, because Buffalo's defense had coverage and was getting pressure. The, you know, in, in the end there, I, I, I do credit the defense. Uh, in the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter, J.J. Watt just, yeah. I, I think he finally went, all right, I, I, my, I made it through the first half. This injury feels like it's it's fine. I'm going to be okay. Let's go. And he he just came on and was a, a was a ball buster there in the second half and that that allowed the rest of that defense to step up. Which was amazing because there were some 
comments uh, on social media and online about that the Texans would be better off benching JJ yeah, Watt. Yeah, I saw that. So. Yeah, yeah, he, he definitely well, came I, on the game busters. I I think uh, you know back to the Bills. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of Cleveland today and see how Brian Dayball explained not giving the ball to Devin Singletary more because he was interviewing with the Browns today. Oh, God. Huh. If, he, if, if they hire him, I'm, I'm, I'm entering the – did he used the, to be our offensive yes, coordinator Yes, he did. Back point? with uh, – was it Mangini or uh, – Maybe, yeah. I think it was Mangini. <laughs> I could be wrong. I, if he does, I'm it entering terrible, the transfer man. portal for fans. And I'm then, entering – I'm going to become a Dolphins fan. What, eight years later, it's like he's the best thing since sliced bread. And I keep looking going – Man, I don't. We already did that. I mean, the one thing I'll say is he's he's definitely helped transform Josh Allen. Uh, but I don't know if I want to go as far as to say that he could be a good head coach. I mean, I could be wrong. I, I'm obviously I'm not employed by any football teams, so I, I obviously don't yeah, know as much as other. You're people. not employed yet. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. I don't think it's ever going to happen for me, but I like the optimism for me there. Uh, I just, oh God, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm serious. If, if you know what, no, even worse, if they hire Brian Dayboy as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, I will become a Steelers fan, and I will enjoy every <laughs> minute of it. All right, let's talk about uh, another team that's hated throughout the uh, entire world. It's actually pretty funny. Uh, me, I went to, with a couple of my league mates uh, Sunday, Saturday night to go watch the Titans-Patriots game. Obviously, all of us rooting for the Titans. And when that uh, interception happened of Logan Ryan there, of Tom Brady, to pretty much seal the victory for the Titans, uh, giving them the 20-13 to victory, the entire bar erupted like the Cowboys had just won the Super Bowl. It was uh, fairly funny to see. If you guys follow me on Snapchat, you was, uh, I posted a video of it. It was, it was phenomenal. All these fans running around slapping in hands and cheering like I, I was I really thought the Cowboys had done something I, I thought I missed something but we had a, I guess everybody was really kind of on the Titans bandwagon here especially with the way Derrick Henry had been playing Ryan Tannehill but mostly how bad New England has been playing so let's touch on Tennessee really quick uh, obviously do you guys both think with the way that they have played this year Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry will be back in under contract for the Tennessee Titans Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. I think they have to. They they'll franchise tag Henry if they have to because he. I mean, he's been. Uh, I saw on Twitter, you know, Titans team photo, and that was just a picture of Henry, which <laughs> is a little misleading, but not that far off. They they're gonna have to. They cannot let him walk after this year. I mean, this. That's probably the biggest takeaway from this year for me. Is I was, you know, we. I did not think Henry was ever going to deliver on those short sample sizes, and he did it for a whole season. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, me and Dennis were talking uh, off air uh, earlier today about uh, we're going to go back through probably the week uh, before the Super Bowl, since there's not really a whole lot going on most of the time. A lot of Pro Bowl stuff. We're going to drudge up the whole rankings and our uh, our predictions for all of the divisions and all that stuff. And I know I didn't have Derrick Henry very high, and I, I badmouthed him all season long, and he has pretty much shut me up every single week. I think he's had like maybe three weeks outside the top 10 all season. I think he finished top five. So he, he's been phenomenal. Uh, 
I'm right there with you. I got to eat crow on that one. Derrick Henry has has by far proven me extremely wrong. Uh, loved what I saw out of AJ Brown. Uh, obviously, rookie. He he's been phenomenal. I think that kind of rest in peace to Corey Davis now after AJ Brown has come on and done what he's done. I think Davis is kind of done there. But the Patriots side is kind of what everybody's talking about right now. Obviously, we saw everybody. I'm sure seen the press conferences by now with Tom Brady saying that you know he he's not necessarily doesn't want to be done, but he's not going to really get into his future right now. Bill Belichick didn't say anything about it either. Said that he's an icon in the area was pretty much the nicest thing he said about him. Is Tom Brady back in New England in 20, uh, 2021 or twenty twenty? I'm sorry, twenty twenty. I don't think so. I think if he plays, he is. If he doesn't play, you know, obviously not. But no. I, I just think I, I, I feel like the, the relationship there is has been going on to the point where, if Brady wants to play, Kraft will let him play. Yeah, Kraft will say, "Look, let's let's give it one more. What do we need to do to to, to give it one more try?" You know, Nikhil Harry didn't do great. We had some injuries. We need to address the tight end situation. Let's let's figure this this out and put the type of tools uh, around Tom to make it successful. You know, maybe they actually give Damian Harris a carry uh, here and there. <laughs> maybe they make a land on the Rex featured Bur- back. Chain. You know, I don't know. You know, you know, no, but I, I unless. Unless there's some sort of absolute stud that, unless it's Saquon Barkley, you know, I I think they're always going to be a bunch of backs involved just because of the way Belichick plays matchups. But the team just didn't have, they they didn't have the the depth they needed and the quality of depth at at tight end and wide receiver. I, I think it showed in, uh, it it affected the running game because they teams knew they didn't have anything that that they couldn't throw consistently. They didn't have any decent tight ends. They didn't, you know, Edelman was the receiving core. Um, you know, Harry took a long time to get in there, and uh, you know, I still don't know if he knows the offense. Um, and then Dorsett and uh, who's the other guy? Jacoby That's Myers. Funny. You know, it's it's they. They need to put some more tools there, but I think there's a, there's a belief they have a belief in each other that if they just make the right tweaks, that they get it done. And they picked twenty third in the draft this year. You know, that's their highest pick in a while. Here's a question for you, though. I mean, do you think any of it has to do with McDaniel's? I mean, part of the reason I don't think. Tom Brady comes back is I don't think Josh McDaniels comes back. I think he actually will leave this time. And I don't know that Tom Brady wants to break in and work with somebody else. And it certainly seems like the last couple of years, his personal relationship with Bill Belichick has deteriorated for some reason. I, I, I don't know that it's deteriorated so much that it's just, there's a lot less that needs to be said to each other. As you get along, you know, it's like being married. Um, you probably should still say it, but you don't. And and I think they're kind of at that point where they should probably say more things publicly to and about each other. But they're like, 
uh, Bill already knows or Tom already knows. Why do I need to keep repeating this? And, and you know, let's move on to the next game kind of approach. It, it's it's going to be challenging, but I, I think that if Brady plays, it, you know, if if he goes somewhere else, he's breaking in a new coordinator. So why not break in a new coordinator in a system you're already familiar with? Yeah, but if he if he and his wife really want to live in California, that might that charges that really is one more year going to make that a big a difference. You know, well, he already lives in California. The you know the other six months, seven months of the year. Well, that goes to to something we've all talked about though: is how much do both of those guys want to prove they can win without the other one? Yeah. It's hard to say, though, whether that's something we believe or that's something they actually care about. I mean, I think they care about it. They're both extremely competitive. I, I mean, you, you've got it. You, I would think it, it kind of gets under your skin a little bit that everybody sits there and says, well, is it you got some people who say it's Brady, some people say it's Belichick. I would, I agree with you guys. I, I, I can't remember which one he said. It might have been Matt or Dennis said earlier that you don't think uh Bill wants Brady back, and I agree with you on that. He has not looked the same quarterback the past two years. Last year was not as bad as this year, and you know there was the rumors that came out today that he's hurt, dealing with an elbow injury, whatever. He, he still has not looked the same. Regardless, he didn't have the elbow injury all year long, and he hasn't looked the same all year. So maybe if he wants to play and Bill doesn't want him to play, I really can't imagine, because I, I do agree with what Dennis said, that Robert Kraft might come in there and be like, all right, well, what do we have to do to make it work? Well, if Bill says no, it's not going to happen, do you think Will Kraft take Brady over Bill? Because I would be surprised if he does. I mean, Bill is in for the most part. I mean, he's run the team, makes the draft picks and everything. He's been the reason they've been so successful. You really going to take the player for one more year over the coach that you've had this long? I don't think either of them would put him in that position, though. Honestly, if Brady is determined to come back and play for New England, I think they'll find a way to make it work. The well, real question, though, too, is... A couple of years ago, if Brady would have walked, they had a lot of options. They don't really have a lot of options right yeah. now unless you think Brian Hoyer's the man. Are you not a Jared Stidham guy? Uh, well, I mean, we didn't get any kind of a look at him. Would you really want to roll the dice on Good. that? No, I, for me, I think that you know, probably the one caveat I would give is that if Belichick thinks that Brady's done, then Brady is going to be done in New England. If if they if Belichick thinks Brady can still play at a high level, then Belichick will keep him around. But if 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 he's fa- you know, I I can see Belichick being the kind of guy that says, "You know what? I don't think he can play, and if you're going to make me play with this guy, I don't think that can play." I I could see Belichick go, you know, going out there and putting third stringers in, saying, yeah. well, make these guys good, then you think you're so good. Uh, it's going to be insane. It's going to be insane to watch. I mean, you've had uh, – the one thing that I – the reason I think he could be gone, I guess, and, and still play next year, and, and, I mean, I don't have any insider information, but someone who obviously knows the business very well, and Adam Schefter has been saying that all season long, that, he, that Tom Brady will not be back in New England after this year. So – if he wants to play again, I honestly think there's a better chance that he goes and plays for somebody else or he doesn't play at all because I, I just don't see him coming back 
back to the New England Patriots, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I don't know. I, I didn't love Jared Stidham coming out of college. I didn't think he was horrible. I maybe. Bill can do something with him. This class is going to have a decent amount of okay quarterbacks. Do they try and grab one in the first round, move up? It's all going to be interesting to see what the Patriots do. Uh, they're they're probably one of the most interesting teams heading into this offseason. The, the Sunday games, two of the NFC games, I mean, one of them was a lot better than the other one. Uh, the other one kind of sucked mostly due to injury. Uh, Matt, you were talking earlier about how uh, the wind chills had gotten a little bit colder Saturday afternoon after uh, Drew Brees got knocked out. I was wondering if uh, when it was whistling on by your doors, if you were hearing the, you like those, you like that chance coming. You like that? You like that? You like that? You like that? I like that. You gotta like that, right? Uh, coming through the win there is Kirk Cousins pulls off a huge upset over uh, the New Orleans Saints. I, I did not see a person picking the Vikings to win. They went 26-20. to Kirk Cousins has a good game, plays well in a huge primetime game. Inter- well, let's start with the, the Vikings side first because there's obviously some controversy on the Saints side. We'll save that for the end. What, what were your thoughts on, on what happened with the Vikings? Because I thought in all they were the better team, but it was more their defense than their offense, I think, that kind of really stepped up and helped them win this game. Yeah, I mean, they were good defensively, but I also think it really helps. Uh, they're a different team when they have Dalvin Cook in and he's doing his thing because, uh, you know, he was catching – Passes as a weapon, obviously scored those two rushing touchdowns. I think that's what's helped them to be solid this season. And we saw it helping them again, kind of opens things up more uh, for Cousins as well. Yeah, you know, there's. I recently ran across the train of thought regarding Kirk Cousins that basically said, you know, Cousins isn't as bad as everybody makes him out to be even though he can't win in prime time because he carried that shitty Washington team for three years before he moved to Minnesota. You know, there may be some merit to that line of thinking. I don't think Cousins is a going to put the team on his back and will it to victory kind of guy. But he's a guy that if he has decent tools around him, he'll, he can get the job done. Uh, but he does need a lot of things to go right. You know, and, and that sometimes does that frequently doesn't happen in primetime games. Yeah. Um, but but we've also seen him step up and, you know, throw four touchdowns and lead a come from behind victory. Um, you know, he's sort of that pretty good quarterback guy is what he is. He's he's not a superstar. He's he's Andy Dalton. Yeah, I mean, that's a little rough. I wouldn't say he's Andy Dalton. He's better than Dalton. He's, well, Dalton has been in a no. pretty shitty situation. And Andy he, Dalton made the playoffs each of the first seven years of his career. Yeah, yeah. but how many playoff games did he win? How many playoff how many wins did Kirk Cousins have? Before yesterday. He's got one, and that's all that matters, baby. How many does Andy Dalton <laughs> have? Zero. Kirk Cousins is the man. Nah, he to me he's a middle of the pack guy. I've always I've I've always argued that. I've never said he's elite, but he's not nearly as bad as everybody makes him out to be. He's just my biggest thing, and, and the one thing I'll say, and he proved me wrong yesterday on the clutch part is, and you saw it on one throw or one uh, sack. I can't remember what it was, but they showed the replay of it that both Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen came open, and he double clutched it twice. 
he kept he, and he wouldn't pull the trigger. And that's always kind of been my biggest uh, knock on him is that sometimes you just have to pull the trigger and just trust that your guy's going to go get the ball. And he did do that in the Adam Thielen play right down there at the end. Uh, so, I mean, he did it there, showed up clutch, he got them the big win, but but more often than not, I would say he hasn't shown that in, in big games. Whether you want to say, I don't really count Monday Night Football games as a big game. Now, he has failed. When, I, when we talked about it, Matt, and we argued, the one thing I said on, uh, I guess, negative against him was he lost a couple big games when it came down to like them needing, I believe it was one year was Dallas, they needed to beat him in Week 17 to yeah. get to the playoffs, and he didn't. He played horrible and got beat. But then there was another time where, I believe this year, they played Seattle, and it was a big game, and they didn't lose the game because of him. The defense couldn't do anything to stop the Seahawks. It wasn't because of him. So it, it's been back and forth. It hasn't been all on Kirk, and I've always said that you can't put QB, you can't put team wins or losses on a quarterback because – You've got two sides of the ball out there playing and more than just him out there playing. I understand why they put him on the quarterbacks, but for me, it's not that. So I'm glad he was able to somewhat get that monkey off his back. Uh, I honestly think they could end up winning this weekend as well. It'll be interesting. I think it'll be a good game. I don't think they'll win, but I don't think they're out of it at any uh, any point whatsoever. On New Orleans' side, I guess I'm just going to come right out and say it before we break down the game, was it offensive pass interference on Kyle Rudolph in the end zone? Yes. I agree. Dennis? I'm going to say no because there wasn't a flag. You know, pass interference is almost like hold, like uh, holding on the offensive line. It, it happens on just about every play. I watch some of these plays, and I hear the announcers, you know, oh, it's just hand fighting or, oh, the, it, it, it's, it, it's just one of those things where it's a – physical game and when you've got somebody that's six six and two hundred and sixty pounds and somebody that's five ten and hundred and ninety just about any type of contact that Rudolph makes with his arm is gonna look like a push off. Yeah but uh, uh, the full extension though that's, I mean that's yeah, been that's what I was the baseline say. of offensive pass interference. We saw it in the very next game early up when Jacob Hollister in a play where I didn't think he actually even created separation fully extended his arm and of course they take back a, a long gain to him up the sideline. That's been at the bare minimum, the base understanding of what qualifies as offensive pass interference has been you fully extending your arming to create separation. It, it has, and but they don't call it every single time. True. I, I mean, I, it's, I'm, just, I'm, it's just one of look, those things that it's a judgment call that has a set of <laughs> parameters, and each person looking at it judges whether or not those parameters have been breached. But so, it's getting harder to watch football when you can't ever be sure what a catch is. You can't ever be sure what pass interference is. I mean, where a first down is, where what's an illegal hit to the quarterback. It, yeah, it's you know there there's a lot of shit going on, and uh, you know do I don't know what the answer is. I don't know that we don't fire you know, Al to Make these make these refs full time. So now we've got. You know, a whole bunch of sixty-year-olds on on the check, uh, getting a check fifty-two well, maybe weeks a not, year. Maybe not these particular refs. Maybe we could find some good refs and make them full time. And where are they coming from? You know, they just going to miraculously right here. become good refs. You know, everybody's complaining about the refs in college. It it, yeah. it doesn't matter. It, it's 
they're faced with making these split second decisions with some of the most powerful people in the world, the most athletically gifted people moving at speeds that sometimes are just hard to comprehend. And so they're going to make mistakes. Honestly, it would almost be better if they just completely did away with all the technology, uh, cut back a few cameras in each stadium and just went back to what it was back in the seventies. So I don't disagree with what you're saying there, Dennis. My biggest issue with it is that they wouldn't even take a look at it. I mean, what what Matt said is right. That that has always been kind of the letter of the law. I'll use the whole, uh, you know, going back to breaking my heart here again with the Ohio State-Clemson game. I did not think that Sean Wade was targeting Trevor Lawrence. But by the letter of the law, it was targeting. He lowered his helmet and struck Trevor Lawrence with the crown of his helmet. That is targeting, whether he wanted to do that or not. It doesn't matter that Trevor Lawrence dropped his head. It matters what Sean Wade did. I agree. I agree with you in what you're saying that the ref, he, in my opinion, he missed it, and I'm not blaming him for that. He was behind Kyle Rudolph. It looked like Kyle Rudolph just jumped up and made the catch. Okay, but clearly, when the replay showed, Kyle Rudolph extended his full arm. If it was, if his arm was barely extended or half extended, you can't say anything. But he fully extended his arm and pushed the defender away to create separation and get the catch. To me. That is a that's offensive pass interference. They put a rule in place for this last year because the Saints got screwed last year and it happened again. In my opinion, I, I feel I truly feel bad for Saints fans. Now, part of me also blames the Saints team because when you see your five foot ten, he was probably not five foot ten. He's I think six foot is what he's listed at. But when you see your six foot quarterback going cornerback going up on a one on one matchup with a six six tight end. Maybe you should use one of those three timeouts you have and call a timeout and probably try and do something different than just doing an all-out blitz and leaving your guy on an island over there. Just my opinion. Uh, but I thought it was pass interference. I do get what you're saying. I just thought they should have at least looked at it. For them to just within literally 30 seconds say, oh, we, we looked at it enough to know that's not pass interference is bullshit to me. Because you've taken longer than that to overturn horrible calls in the NFL. Like the, They took more time spent looking at the Dalvin Cook touchdown that wasn't a touchdown, and they upheld it, and then they couldn't even take 30 seconds to go look at that. So that, that was the thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm not even a Saints fan, and I thought that that was messed up. <sighs> Sorry, I was getting all excited but over here. But in the end, you know, the Saints fans will fall back on officiating, and that seems unfortunate. All the things you said about replay are true, but the Saints need to t- take a cold, hard look in the mirror with the way they played yesterday. I mean, yeah, they were the good. best team at not turning the ball over during the regular season. Breeze is interception. God only knows what he was thinking when he put that ball up to Ted Kinn. The best outcome of that play would have been an incompletion. And then that, you know, every time they build momentum, they shot themselves in the foot. Uh, Defensively, you know, you don't know what they were doing. They didn't play well enough to win that game. That call at the end is frustrating, but they did not play well enough in that game. All right, so before we move on to the the Seahawks-Eagles game, Drew Brees back one year, two years, not coming back at all. What are your guys' thoughts? Oh, I think he's I, I think he's going to have the opportunity to, to determine how long he wants to play. So 
I, I could see them doing a two-year contract with a player option in the second year, a two-year contract with a third-year option. I could see him saying, you know what, I, I'm, I'm done. Probably not. But, I mean, if I had Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, I probably wouldn't retire either. <laughs> yeah, that's the tough one. I had thought if the Saints went through and won the Super Bowl that he would retire. Um, because I, you know, I think he's getting older. He's, he's, you know, made through a lot of records, uh, you know, the physical toll and everything, but I, I just think it's going to be hard to end on that. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I actually kind of think they might do something like what Dennis said there, maybe do a two-year contract, and hopefully they're able to make it to the Super Bowl and win it next year, player option, and then he just decides to retire on the mountaintop. Doesn't happen for a lot of players, but I would imagine he at least comes back for one more year and tries with the team that they have uh, to get back to the promised land that, in my opinion, they've been screwed out of the past three years. All right, the last they'll game. Do, they'll do contract wizardry <coughs> and make shit happen, so he can be fairly compensated as well and not leave the team in too bad a shape if he leaves after next year. So Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. Seattle and Philly. Uh, Seattle wins this one 17-9. The DK Metcalf bowl game here. He had just a phenomenal game. Uh, I'm happy for him. 160 yards on seven catches and a great touchdown play. Uh, The big one out of here was Carson Wentz getting uh, taken out in this one uh, due to a head injury. Curious on what you guys thought on the Jadavion Clowney play. Well, I don't think he meant it to be a dirty play. I think it was a dirty play. Uh, I'll go back again. I'll just keep using Ohio State Clemson. If this was a college football game, Jadavion Clowney is thrown out of the game for targeting. He led with the crown of his helmet into the back of Carson Wentz. I didn't feel like he needed to do that one bit. I'm not trying to say Clowney is a dirty player because in my mind, I can't think of any other times he's really done anything dirty. Um, but I do think in a way it was a, a dirty play and it knocked Carson Wentz out. We're in a game that I think the Eagles could have easily won had he stayed in there. So what were your guys' thoughts on, on the Clowney-Wentz play? It definitely should have been flagged. Um, it's hard to say whether he was trying to do that or not. He was chasing him from behind, but it definitely should have drawn a flag. I, I could see throwing the flag and saying because of the helmet-to-helmet contact, but I'm looking at it right now, and he's leading with his shoulder. Now, granted, th- then it comes down to the determination – was Wentz giving himself up? Well, a couple of years ago, they did change the rule that you don't have to slide feet first to be giving yourself right. up. You you can dive to give yourself up. And so it, it just comes down to where I'm trying to. So Clowney had, had his back to Wentz and was turning to his right going to make the hit. So if, if Wentz is going down and Clowney has already started, I don't know that Clowney knows Wentz was giving himself up. He might think Wentz was get Wentz got hit. He might uh-huh. think Wentz just tripped. Uh, again, it's a six foot six, two hundred seventy five pound guy moving faster than any of us can fully comprehend. Uh, it it should I I think that that you call you throw the flag because of the outcome i don't think the i don't think throwing the flag 
says, hey, you're a bad guy and you were, you know, right. you Vontez perfected Carson Wentz. It, it's more of a, hey, this play happened like this and I understand it was hard, but you got it. You can't do that. Yeah, that's. I'm not trying to say Clowney's a dirty player at all. I just I thought it was a dirty play. Just because you you have a bad play does not make you a dirty player. I'm not trying to say that at all. May, maybe it was something where he didn't think Carson Wentz was giving it up, as you said he was leading with his shoulder. Maybe it was incidental contact. Uh, still, it was a helmet to helmet hit. I can't remember uh, the the so one of the reporters asked the ref about it at the end of the game, and I can't remember his response to it. But in, and in all honesty, his response actually kind of made sense. Uh, so I can't harp on him too much for not throwing the flag uh you know it's I guess an unfortunate part of the way Carson Wentz kind of plays the game I saw a lot of people talking about I think it was uh Dan Orlovsky Orlovsky of ESPN said that uh a lot of quarterbacks in that situation, uh, the defense was blitzing. They blew the screen up, and so uh, he was trying to run forward and get yards. Every quarterback does that. Uh, I can think of a ton of quarterbacks that actually just end up dirting the ball and, and don't run, uh, but that is who Carson Wentz is, and, and unfortunately it's cost him uh, a lot of games and time because he's gotten injured on a lot of these plays. the same thing that happened a couple years ago when he dove into the end zone and, and completely blew his knee out. So it sucked to see that happen, uh, especially because I feel like that's starting to become a narrative now even more with Carson Carson Wentz, his first actual playoff game with the Eagles and gets knocked out again in the first quarter. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I was happy to see Josh McCown get in there, actually get to play. He was pretty emotional in his press conference talking about him getting to play in his uh, first playoff game. But Eagles have a decent roster, Matt. You mentioned it earlier. They really beat up this year. Uh, I think they could be a strong candidate to, again, be right there with the Cowboys next year if all their players come back and are healthy. Uh, what do you guys think about the – well, not these two moving forward because the Eagles are out. Seattle, uh, were, are they clearly the last team in the NFC for both of you guys? Tough to say. You know, I, I probably would take the Seahawks over the Vikings. Okay. You know. Oh, so yeah, I guess I would take them over the Vikings. I thought if you were talking about the Green Bay matchup, I th- I think it's going to be hard to – they've yeah, been I mean, good on the road, but they have no running game whatsoever anymore because of all the injuries. Yeah, but they've got DK Metcalf. <sighs> Kid's a baller. He, he is a baller. That and he'd have sure. had a second touchdown if Russell hadn't underthrown him at the end of the game. I think he still would have. Well, maybe he wouldn't have gone down. I think he would have gone down just to end it, like uh, like Miles Sanders nah, did the week before. I think he'd. I think he'd. I think he'd have been off and off to the races. Hey, I would have loved to see it, man. I love that kid. Like I said I, I was high on him all season, and everybody I, I was him. I know you were, but, but then yeah, again, it's I was, interesting. Uh, the uh, somebody, I think it was Michael Lou, mic me up on Twitter, made the comment today or yesterday about. Um, overlooking a player's flaws and going to a team. He was talking directly about Metcalf going to a team that that's willing to uh, play to that particular player's strengths. And my comment back was uh, unfortunately all too often we see coaches who um, don't do that. They, they know a player has weaknesses. They know uh, what his strengths are and yet they continue to try to, fit the square peg into the round hole. I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought Brian Schottenheimer was a guy that was going to go, Hey, let's start going deep a lot with this big fast dude. Uh, that, that seems counterintuitive 
to what my perception of a Brian Schottenheimer offense is. And maybe it's just because they've had so so many good running backs, you know, the past few years while Schottenheimer's there. And that's what creates that perception for me. But Metcalf is out there and he's doing what he does really well. And so it, as long as Russ keeps getting the ball downfield, uh, they're going to give him chances to make plays. I don't think they have to worry too much about, well, you know, his catch rate's only 58%. Well, you know, his YPA is 17. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I know you know because we, we did a lot of the talks in the offseason, obviously, about all the prospects. I love the landing spot for him. I, I was high on him all year, him him and A.J. Brown. I had them both over Nikhil Harry, and I got hate for him on this this very podcast by a few people uh, who who kept telling me I was crazy for having him there, and I feel like they proved me right. They're, they're avenging my Ronald Jones take. We can finally start pushing that away now because I've, I've, I've made well, myself up a little bit. one season does not a career make. Sure it so. does. It does right there. So Harry may very well still, you know, be the better player long term. Eh, um, I doubt it. You know, I, I Metcalf, I think, has to be careful to not suffer David Boston disease. <laughs> I think he'll be all right. So I think AJ Brown will be good too. I'm not. I'm not worried about. It. They've already got a nice big lead on Nikhil Harry. So we'll, we'll. But we will see what happens. You're right. It is just one season. And we will we'll see what they do next year. It'll be interesting to talk about those guys and and the well, really, Nikhil Harry probably has the most changes possibly coming with the Patriots organization than the other two. Uh, so that right there finishes up though all the wild card games. I appreciate both you guys for jumping on with me today to talk about those games and the obvious uh, Jason Garrett, uh, Mike McCarthy news there with the Dallas Cowboys. And I look forward to talking to you guys again later. Have yourselves a great week. Right on. You too. Yep. Enjoy. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me.